wonderful place to be, a wonderful time if you're, uh, if you're able to get there. Uh, and that, that, no doubt, is the most important thing is, is believing in Jesus Christ as your Savior and being able to sing about that mansion over the hilltop, being able to sing the song when we all get to heaven. Uh, that's, that's where it really matters. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter number 15 this afternoon. Book of Luke in chapter number 15. and um, The thought has kind of been on my heart. I thought I was going to preach this this morning, and God kind of changed my mind quick, fast, and in a hurry, but uh, thankfully He's letting me preach it tonight. Thought has been on my heart all week is is changing after salvation. Whenever we get saved, we're we're, we're changed. We all know that we're we're a different person. The Bible uses the words a new creature. But I, I saw it must have been a year ago, and it's it's kind of stuck with me. As a Christian, we are changed by God from the inside out. When I got saved, I was sitting on a pew one, two, three. I was four pews back in Forest Haven Baptist Church, sitting all the way over against the wall. And when I got saved, my dad was sitting right next to me. And he had no idea that I got saved. I've told you this before. He had no idea. My mom was sitting next to him. She had no idea that I got saved. Uh, Brother Steve and him were sitting right in front of us. They had no idea that I got saved. Uh, Uncle Darrell and Clint were sitting right behind me. They had no idea I got saved. The preacher was in the pulpit. He had no idea I got saved. But a change had happened in me anyway. It, it was there. God changes us from the inside out. But if we let him, he'll continue to change us after salvation. He will continue to work after salvation. And the world may not see it initially. They may not see that initial surrender, the, the initial washing of our souls in Jesus' blood. They won't see that initial change immediately. But eventually that change begins to become evident. Eventually that change has to show from the inside out, it, it grows and grows and grows and grows to the point that, that it has to come out of somewhere. In the same way, the world can change us from the outside in. The world cannot get to our heart immediately. It, it can't do it. Satan cannot all of a sudden just, just come in and take over my life. It, it, God has given him that power. But little by little, if we allow the things of this world to get to us, if we allow the things of this world to take over us, if... if if you give the devil an inch, he'll become a ruler. He'll take a mile. The world changes us from the outside in. The world cannot get to our, our deepest values if we're rooted and grounded. But, but Satan don't want to change my entire life right now. He wants to get one part of it. He wants to get a hold of one part of my life. And if he can change that, then he'll change another. And he don't want to tear the church apart all of a sudden. He wants to get hold of one person. And then another, and then another, until from the outside in, he changes a church. He destroys a church. He destroys a person. He destroys a nation. Have you ever thought about ships? There's no way in the world that something that heavy should sink. But ships never sink from the water that's outside of them. They only sink from the water that gets inside of them. The world is outside of us, and we're that ship, excuse the metaphor, but we're that ship. And the world is the sea outside of us cannot hurt us unless we let it in, unless it gets in. God changes us, the Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. But if we let it, like the man that we read about here, if we allow the world to get into us, if we allow the world to have an impact on us, the world will change us from the outside in. Luke in 15, we're going to begin verse 11. Luke 15, verse 11. A certain man had two sons. 
A lot of times we'll, uh, we'll look at this as a parable. But Jesus said a certain man. He's telling this as a true story. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered it all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he begun to be in want. Oh my gosh, what luck. I just ran out of money and now they're not giving away food anymore. It, it seems like whenever this, this man ran out of everything that he could have, everything that, that he had been given, all of a sudden there arose trouble. Trouble don't just spontaneously show up in our life. The devil didn't just spontaneously show up to tempt Jesus. Jesus was physically at his lowest point. He had been fasting. All of a sudden, there arose a mighty famine in the land. Verse 15, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain, well, he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. This boy, this kid, had all he ever could have wanted in his daddy's house. If we believe in God, if we trust in God, if we maintain a close relationship with God, if we obey God, he has all that we ever could want. He'll give to us all that we ever could want. He will provide for us. He will take care of us. But if we take it and leave, he got to the point that he would eat with the hogs. He said to himself, he said in verse 17, he came to himself and said, how many hired servants of my father's house have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. This boy had been given everything that he wanted. He had allowed the things of this world to come in and no doubt he, he saw all his possessions. He saw all that he could do. He saw all the fun that he could have. And he said, let's go. And he struck out. And he said, I'm going to go live it up. I'm going to take all of this world and I'm going to have it all. Isn't that the American dream? To have it all? Little boy said, more money, more problems. The younger of the two sons took all the blessings that God had bestowed upon him, all the blessings that his father had bestowed upon him, and he left and he wasted it all. He got away, and it said that he had to come to himself. No doubt his father hadn't crossed his mind. No doubt how far he had slipped, how far he had fallen, how many friends he no longer had when he ran out of money. How much he had lost did not come to him until he got in the hog pen and said, I'd just soon eat this slop before I die from hunger. He had joined himself to a citizen of that country. He had given himself over to the world. And the world began to change him from the outside in. The world began to change him. The first thing that the world appealed to was his eyes. He said, I'll, I'll take all of this and, and I'll go live it up. His pride, fun, The song says, I ain't never had too much fun. Fun is a good thing. It really is. There's nothing in the world wrong with fun. 
but there is whenever you leave God out of it. There is whenever you have to leave God to get to it. There is whenever you know that you ought not be doing this. The Bible says that he, he wasted his substance. He, he gave away all that he had. He wasted it with riotous living. I see those two words and I see, <laughs> I see like the little boy used to say, he be acting a fool. That's what they say. He, he be acting a fool. And that's what it boils down to. He, he wasted all he had. He gave away all that he had. And then all of a sudden he had nothing left. And then what? Instead of looking to God, instead of looking to his father, he joined himself to a citizen of the country. Once he had wasted all that he had, once he ended up with nothing, and a famine showed up, instead of going back to his father's house then, instead of striking out and going home then, he joined up to that country. And they sent him into the hog pen. They had already taken all that he had. This country, this type of living had done taken all that he had. But this type of living had changed him. It had taken his mind off of his father. It had taken his mind off of home. It had taken his mind, his priorities, off of the things that he was supposed to be on. Who else in the Bible do we read about that, that was changed from the outside in? Let's go back. Genesis chapter 6, 5. Adam and Eve, were they changed? They were perfect. And they were changed from the outside in. How, how did Satan deceive Eve? How did she do it? We, we know that he kind of lied. But how did he really do it? He tempted her with two things. He said, this, this is good to look at. He said, it's beautiful fruit. And he said, you'll be as God's. He tempted her with what she could see. And he tempted her with knowledge, right as living. He said, he said, you'll be as God. You, you'll have knowledge and, and you'll be smart. You'll be, you'll be great. He wasn't lying. She ate of it. And from, the, from, from, from a pride standpoint, from what her eyes told her was obviously good fruit, she changed. <laughs> she changed the whole human race from the outside in. And once she disobeyed God, then the change showed up on the inside. Then she knew that she was wrong. Then Adam knew that she was wrong. I can just imagine God walking through the garden. Adam saying, hey God, look look what we made. We, we made clothes. Why do you need clothes? Uh-oh. How did you know you were naked? Uh-oh. Why are you hiding from me, Adam? No, no. They knew it. From the outside in. It, it, it all begins from the outside in. David was exactly where he wasn't supposed to be. He was up on a housetop at the time when kings went to battle. He saw this woman in his eyes, his lust, his want. His hormones changed him from the outside in. What he wanted. He didn't stop there. He didn't stop at fornication at that wrongdoing. He went ahead and committed murder because he had committed himself. I saw a sign one day last week. I don't remember where it was. But it was a sign on the bathroom stall. It said, due to supply chain shortages, toiletries may or may not be unavailable. Please check before you commit. I thought that made an awful lot of sense. David committed himself to this sin. 
He said, I'm going all the way. He, he went and, and had Uriah put on the front line of the battle, essentially murdered. He had committed to this. Eve took and ate of the fruit, and then she, she went further. She gave to her husband. Samson lusted after a woman. He committed to her. She'd done him wrong how many times? Four times? She lied to him. She tricked him. What kind of a dummy? We do the same thing. We'll get tied up in a sin. We'll, we'll get to looking after something. We'll get to doing things that we ought not be doing. And all of a sudden, we're in it. We're committed. In baseball, there's a turn. There comes a point in time whenever you're base running. When you get between first and second and you're stealing, you always, with the baseball coaches, you always peek back at the catcher. And if all of a sudden on a straight steal, if you peek back and that ball is in front of you, that's when you turn around and you go back. But once you peek and you make your mind up to go, you've got to be committed. It's, it's all or nothing. I mean, you, you, you can't... You can't think that you're looking back and, and be not sure what's going on there. You have to be committed. One or the other. Hitting is the same way. If you've got to swing the bat, you've got to swing the bat. You've got to be committed. A lot of times we'll commit to the things of this world before we commit to the things of God. Yeah. Samson was committed to Delilah. She fooled him once. Shame on you, Samson. She <laughs> fooled him twice. Shame on you, Samson. She fooled him three times. Hey, oh, Samson, come on. She fooled him four times. And here he is. Samson was changed from the outside in. It started with him laying in her lap. It started with him going to be him with the enemy. Literally lying with the enemy. But it didn't end there. Where did it end? It ended with Samson being blind. It ended with Samson getting his hair cut off. It ended with Samson losing his strength. Losing his walk with God. Losing his relationship with God. It ended with Samson losing his life. Because the world changed him from the outside in. God told David, the sword will never leave your house. Because you committed to that sin. Because you held on to it. Because you allowed it to change you from the outside in. <clears throat> you ever heard the term, if you lay down with the dogs, you get fleas. Anybody ever had fleas? People? People can get fleas. They really can. Uh, my, my brother got fleas one time. It was the funniest thing. We was working. We was working in some tall grass at my aunt's house, and she had dogs everywhere. He, uh, he, he got fleas, and he got the itching and scratching. Well, we'd come home to Mama's house. We were both living at home at that point. He'd come home to Mama's house. She had carpet in her house, right? So whenever he came home, naturally, fleas still were on him. Fleas got in the carpet. Please multiply worse than anything I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen anything multiply like please. However many he could have towed it home with him, by the next day there were ten times that many. And then they continued to multiply, and we bug-bombed the house. It didn't help. There were still fleas all up in that carpet. It took forever to get the fleas out of that house. I mean forever. It, it, was, it was weeks that, that Mama was trying and trying and trying to get the fleas out of that carpet, which spread from the living room into the master bedroom. If we lay around with the dogs, if we find ourselves in a hole pen, if we commit to sin, if we leave God and, and say, I'm going this direction, 
Lot committed himself to the well-watered plains of Jordan because he saw what was important to him. David committed himself to Delilah because he saw what he wanted. Samson committed himself to Delilah because he saw something he wanted. Adam and Eve both committed themselves to the fruit of the garden because they saw something that was pretty, something that was nice, something that they wanted. God said he would supply all of our needs. The Bible says that. According to his riches and glory. But it's not our needs that get us in trouble. It's our wants. What I want. What I desire. Read about that man in the New Testament. He said, I have a bunch. He said, I have had a great harvest. I will build barns. I will say to my soul, take thine ease. God said, thy fool. Whenever we get to begin thinking and, and, and committing ourselves to what I want, to what I'm going to do, to what I have, to, to what I lust after, then, then we oftentimes leave God out. David left God out. Lot didn't ask God which way to go. Adam and Eve did exactly what God told them not to do. Samson did exactly what God told him not to do. The world can change us from the outside in if we let it. And it happens quick. This young man, no doubt, didn't realize it. There's places that you can go, and, and in Louisiana, you know we have mountains. We have one out in uh, northwestern Louisiana. It's humongous. If you're not careful, you don't even know you're walking uphill. It's flat, really flat. But it's considered to be the highest point in Louisiana. It's a mountain just south of Ruston. And if you commence to walking and, and you're walking and walking and walking, you, you really don't realize you're walking uphill until you get to the top and you turn around and you look down this power line and you can see straight down for what's a couple of hundred feet. But if you've been to Tennessee, then we don't have mountains. But if you're not careful, you don't realize you're walking uphill. It don't feel like it. Committing to sin and, and, and allowing the world to, to take the reins is the same way. You don't really realize it. It's something that you... Something that oftentimes we don't necessarily have full comprehension of whenever we dive off into it. Uh, Sydney and Casey was here this morning. They were telling me about the, the St. Lucia they went to, that the water that you could see straight down for 15 feet. I would be the knucklehead diving off into it thinking it was two or three feet deep and then, you know, have to sit there and wade trying to float not realizing exactly how deep the water is I'm diving off into. The same thing can happen with sin. If we dive off into something that, that most of the time, 99.9% of the time, we don't know how deep the water is. Just last week, made the statement, sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. Sin took Adam and Eve further than they ever wanted to go. David, Samson, Lot, Peter. Took them further than they ever wanted to go. Seeing it cost you more than you're ever willing to pay. And yet so many times we allow the world to change us from the outside in. But we serve a God that changes us from the inside out. If you're here and saved, you have a Holy Spirit that dwells within you. The Bible says that, that His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. That it's a guarantee that it's not a maybe, it's not an almost, it's not a perhaps. Romans 12 and chapter 2, excuse me, 12 and verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. That is salvation. Be not conformed. Don't, don't allow this world to, to creep in on you. Don't allow this world to, to change you from the outside in. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It belongs. It, it begins at salvation. But it never ends. The Bible compares a new convert to a, a baby. It says, Desiring the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As a Christian, we began as a, as a babe, as a child, whenever we were saved. How much have we grown since? You see some people, and, and uh, my age gets mistaken all the time, but you see some people and you, you, just, they, you look at them and they have got to be this old. And then you watch them dancing at a wedding or you, you watch them zipline and you say, well, they act this old. I remember when I was in high school, I don't know how, bro, how old brother Robbie is, but Trevor and I played baseball together. When we was in high school, we had a, a crawfish bowl for the baseball team out at uh, Mr. Jack Whaley's camp. They had a volleyball net set up. And brother Robbie was more of a kid than any of the rest of us. He was more seemingly athletic than any of the rest of us. You talk about play ball hard. I wasn't diving for the ball. He did. I wasn't going to do it. And uh, Coach Blake Dillon at the time made the statement. He said, you're only as young as you act. You used to say you're only as young as you feel, and I have found that to be untrue. So you're only as young as you act. And so in reality, we may be 40, but if we act, if we feel 20, then by all means... That's what we think we are. That's what we want to be. That's what we want to feel. In reality, we may be in our 20s, but spiritually, have we made it to teenage years yet? Spiritually, have we grown out of the baby stage yet? Spiritually, have we matured at all since we were saved? Spiritually, have we changed? Has our mind been transformed? Corinthians 5 and 17 says that we are a new creature. We start over at zero or whenever we're saved. We start fresh. We begin as a, a newborn baby in Christ, and at that point we have to grow. And that growth happens from the inside out. As a baby, you don't see them, you don't see them growing things on the outside. They grow from the inside out. A tree puts on a new layer of bark every year. From the inside out. It grows from the inside out. As humans, we, we intake minerals through our mouth, sometimes through our nose. We intake, we eat, we drink, we smell. I carried a hundred and some odd dozen of Krispy Kreme donuts from Hattiesburg to Varnado Friday morning. I gained 15 pounds smelling them, felt like. Whew. Whenever we intake calories, whenever we intake carbohydrates, our body from the inside out transforms that into growth. Whether we want it to or not, that process continues happening. In the same way, whenever we intake God, whenever we read and study His Word, whenever we come to His house and, and worship Him and, and listen to His teaching, whether it be Sunday school or revival or, or, or Sunday services, whenever we intake God, we grow spiritually. Whenever we study God's Word, we grow spiritually. Whenever we listen to, to gospel Christian music on the radio, 
we are we're intaking the gospel. We're, we're growing spiritually. But how old are we spiritually? Have we truly allowed God to change us from the inside out, or do we allow the world to get on us and change us from the outside in? There's a constant battle, a constant struggle. What does the fleshly man want to do? We mentioned it Sunday school this morning. The fleshly man says, if you kick my dog, I'm kicking your cat. That's what the fleshly man says. But the Bible says to turn the other cheek. The Bible says to forgive. Jesus said to forgive them 70 times 7, right? I think he was using that illustration because I don't believe they had multiplication flashcards back then. But we should forgive. But that goes against our flesh. That's where we start growing from the inside out. That's where we allow Jesus' Spirit to, that lives within us, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter that John talks about, excuse me, that Jesus talks about. In John in chapter 14, it said a Comforter will come to teach us, to bring to remembrance in our time of need. And He will. He promises us that. Corinthians, Paul says that our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And if we allow it to... That, that, that light that we talked about this morning can shine through us from the inside out. All things of God start on the inside and works its way out. After we're saved, we then confess, coming out our mouth, words. We then confess our salvation. We are then baptized. It is our actions showing, proving our profession of faith. But then comes the hard part. Then we begin to battle that flesh. Then we begin to battle the inside of us versus the outside, which is the world. Do we allow God to win? Do we allow Him to change us from the outside in? Excuse me, from the inside out? Or do we allow the world to get to us? Do we allow the world to, to, to grab us? Do we commit ourselves to the world? Do we join ourselves as citizens of the world? Do we lay down with the dogs and we get pleased? Or do we not? Do we spray ourselves with off before we go into the world? Do we take the word, the word of God with us in the world? Do we take the Holy Spirit with us each and every day? Or do we beg and plead our conscience? The Holy Spirit that lives within us, do we beg it? Just stay home today. Knock it off. You know, eventually, the Holy Spirit will stop bothering us. God said, my spirit will not always strive with man. said that if, if we continue in sin, if we continue to, to quench the spirit, be as saw and kicking against the pricks, that some God will give over to reprobate mind, having their conscience seared with hot iron. After you use a shovel, sledgehammer, you rub a blister on your hand, it hurts. The next week, your blister's healed over. You go use a shovel, sledgehammer again, post hole diggers, fence driver. You rub another blister on your hand. A couple of weeks later, you go do it again. You rub another blister, and after a little while, you don't rub blisters on your hand anymore. You then have calluses. If we allow the, the world to, to change us from the outside in, our heart begins to callous over. Our heart begins to, to resist the drawing of God, the conviction of God. But if we'll allow ourselves to be changed by God from the inside out, calluses will grow over so that we can resist the world. 
Calluses will grow over so that, the, that even whenever we're tempted with the things of this world, we'll look the other way. We'll say no. There's a song that's on the radio. It says, tell the devil, not today. It's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful message. The Bible says that if we'll resist the devil, he will flee from us. If we do not allow the world to change us, if we do not allow the world to get in us, if we do not allow water in our ship, then eventually our ship will harden. Our, 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 our self will callous over. It will be easier and easier. There's a, a, a commercial. I don't remember who put it on, but it's an old man. Looks like a really old man. Every day he walks out to his shed and he, he picks up this kettlebell, this weight, and he, he bends over and you can see him straining and struggling. He picks it up, pulls it out, pulls it back, puts it back down. And the, and the ad shows him doing it every day through various seasons. And everybody's watching him and asking him why he's doing it. And over and over and over again he's doing it and doing it. And eventually the kettlebell gets lighter. Eventually the, the iron weight gets lighter and you see him, he's able to pick it up and stretch it out and put it back down pretty easily. And then Christmas time rolls around and his, his granddaughter comes up and he picks her up, holds her up to the tree so she can put the star on the tree. But if he would have tried to, to pick her up without preparing, without lifting weights, without preparing his body for that, then he wouldn't have been able to. If we allow ourselves to be an instrument of God, if we allow God to change us from the inside out, that's preparing us. That is preparing our body, that is preparing our soul for that weight that we're going to have to bear. That's preparing us for the war that we're going to have to fight. But we've got to allow God to change us. We have to, to stick to Him. We, we can't find the things of this world like the, the younger son did. We can't find the things of this world so appealing that we throw away God's Word, that we throw away an opportunity to go worship in God's house, that we throw away an opportunity to sing and to praise Him. All of that is part of our growing with Christ. If you're here and unsaved this afternoon, you have not yet been born again, I beg of you to believe in Jesus. Now, I've said it over and over again. I, I don't know how else to say it. I pray to God that He's merciful to you each and every day. Because if you die without Jesus Christ, you'll lift your eyes in the devil's hell. Satan will have won. He will have taken your soul to a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. He knows his, his doom. He, he knows he's going. He has no choice. But you do. If you're hearing unsaved this afternoon, the Bible says, Whosoever believeth on Him. That's it. That's all you have to do. Jesus died for you. You're a sinner. There's nothing that you can do about it. But Jesus said, I died for all sinners. He said, I, I, I died. I, I, I came to this world so that none may perish, but that all may come to repentance. And if you'll believe in your heart, in that same Jesus, God for Jesus' sake will save you. I will have a verse of a song. I'll ask for a